0: We have a very, very special privilege this morning, and uh, it's my pleasure. And uh, quite honestly, I'm more excited probably than anybody in the room because you guys don't know what you're in for. But um, we have among us for the last several months, and most of you have met him and never knew he was a pastor, but we have a pastor, uh, Nick Olson, who um, Nick has been part of the pastoral staff at two of the largest and fastest growing churches in North America, literally. Nick has also planted churches, and he's seen churches grow from where we are, uh, this very small 50, 60 people that gathers here, uh, all the way up to hundreds and even thousands of people over a period of a few years. And uh, for whatever reason, I am thankful for it, the Lord led Nick to Elevation Church and his wife, Kathy, uh, just about four or five months ago. And so we have had them uh, here helping us, speaking wisdom and life into me and into Trina, uh, helping us do the different ministries here at Elevation Church, and it's my privilege this morning to introduce Nick and allow him to take this platform and deliver our message this morning. And so I would ask that you guys just give him a great Elevation Church welcome, and uh, let's get ourselves ready to hear what the Lord has to say through Nick.
1: Thank you for that, Tom. Thank you very much. Let me get myself set up here, Jim. I'm going to use your stand. I promise I won't break it. You know, when Todd asked me to uh, to to speak this morning, he sent me the sent me the message, or not the message, the topic that he wanted me to speak on. And I and I thought to myself, you know, gosh, I never was very good at geometry, but if you want me to talk about angles, I'll talk about angles. and, the, and then, but then I thought, well, maybe that's not what it is. So, I, just in case, I happen to put some some um, information together about angels. And I, since, I, since I'm not all that good with geometry, I think I'll just go with the a- angels, if that's all right with you. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming this morning. I especially wanna, want to want uh, to thank those who knew that I was going to be speaking for showing up today. That was that was very gracious of you and i thank you for the mercy that you that you given me um while back god was was kind of feeling like he wanted to kick back a little bit so he he sent a couple of angels down to earth he said he said i want you guys to go down to earth and check out my kids see what they're up to and report back to me tell me what's going on so they did they came down they re, they looked around a little bit and they came back and they reported to God the Father. They said, "Said Abba, it's not going so good. About ninety-five percent of them are on the wrong track. I mean, they're they're making some bad mistakes. And, matter of fact, they're sinning. The other five percent, they're doing real good. But about ninety-five percent of them, it's not going so well." God said, "Oh well, you know." I I need to check that out. So he sends a couple of more angels to, down here and said, Go check on my kids and let me know what's going on. They came back and I said, Father, you know it's not looking real real good. And about ninety-five, ninety-six percent of the people said they're they're just on the wrong track. The fact they're sending. So the other four or five percent they're doing pretty good. So God said, you know, I am really proud of the four or five percent that are doing really good. I want all, all you guys to go back down there and I want you to pay them a visit and I want you to pat them on the back and I want you to encourage them and tell them I said, job well done. So they did. How many of you got a, got a visit from an angel lately? Me neither. Me neither. Me neither. So we're all in the same boat, except we have one w- one brave soul over here who confessed that she's that she's doing a lot better than we are. That's a good point. We're going to talk about that in in a minute. We're gonna we're going to talk about that in a bit. Last week we started a new series. Todd started a new series called Supernatural, and in that. In that series or in that um, uh, uh, uh initial message he uh, described for us another realm, another world another another place that exists that we're not always aware of, but nonetheless it exists and it's a supernatural world a a heavenly realm that's occupied by 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 spirits, both good and bad, that are always present they're always active and most of the time they're engaged in, in warfare they're engaged in a battle a spiritual battle and the spiritual warfare reign, uh, rages all around us in a battle for for the souls of those who've been saved or the, for the for the souls of those who've not been saved and for the minds of those who have been saved you see the the the, the evil one wants to prevent any more any more people from being saved than he can possibly prevent from being saved and he wants to distract those of us who have been saved from doing god's work because that means that more people will be saved so so they're they're constantly engaged in this in this battle for the for the for the souls and and the minds of the people in fact if you will if you have your bible with you and I hope that you do. I hope that you brought your Bible this morning. Would you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And I'm going to read, from you, uh, read to you from 6, 10 through 17 to remind you what we talked about last week. Ephesians chapter 6. you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. There is a battle raging among us, a battle that is raging in the spiritual realm, a battle that we are all, knowingly or not, engaged in. We need to to put on the buckle of truth. And and one one of the truths that we need to put on is, is is what these spiritual beings are and what they aren't. And what these spiritual beings are, are called is angels. Not angels, angels. They're called angels. Before we, and I, I want to look at, at I want to talk about several things about angels. But before we do, I want to look at some misconceptions that we all have that have been thrust upon us by the world about angels. And here's what they are. The first one, first misconception that we're faced with is that of flying babies with harps and wings. Anybody ever seen that? Flying babies with harps and wings. Where do we see that? Well, we see that on greeting cards and at our local retail card dealer, right? We see that a lot. Flying babies with harps and wings. If you have your Bible with you, will you do do something for me, please? Take your Bible in your hand. If you don't have your Bible... Maybe you have a cell phone that you pretend to be looking at a Bible application on. Put put that in your hand. And if you don't have that, you have an outline that has lots of verses on it. Will you take that and hold that above your head like this? Okay. Shake your head. Shake your head and repeat after me. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. All right. The second misconception is that all angels are beautiful women with long hair and long flowing gossamer gowns and wings and halos, right? We see this a lot on tops of Christmas trees, right? (laughs) Repeat after me, it's not in the Bible, okay? The third misconception that we always, that we hear oftentimes hear is, is Hollywood's idea of angels. And there are two very famous ones. One is Clarence. Everybody remember Clarence? You know who Clarence was? From A Wonderful Life? Clarence was this venerable old man that used to follow or that followed Jimmy Stewart Stewart around and he kept he kept doing something that sounded like this. remember that? What happened every time that happened? An angel got his wings. (laughs) Isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? (laughs) It's not in the Bible. And then probably my favorite, this one is so biblically accurate that it's almost scary. There's a movie called Michael that John Travolta starred in. Anybody remember that movie? In, in the movie Michael, John Travolta played, a, played an angel who was a womanizer, a drinker, a smoker, a cusser, and, 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 and wore a wife beater. Now, how biblically, biblically accurate is that? Okay, you know the routine. It's not in the Bible, so there are many misconceptions about what angels are. None of that's true. None of it. There's one. There's there's one last one that many of us cling to in in times of grief, and it's very understandable why we do this. But it's the idea that angels are deceased people who've gone to heaven and gotten their wings. Oftentimes, we think that it's deceased relatives. Because it's comforting to us to think that grandma died and went to heaven, became an angel, and now she's watching over me. That's a pretty common misconception. A lot of people believe that. When you think about it, it's kind of creepy. Isn't it? I mean, do you want grandma watching everything that you do? (laughs) Uh There's just some things... I don't want Grandma to see me doing, and probably the same for you. But fortunately, guess what? It's not in the Bible. There are a lot of misconceptions, but let's put those aside and let's look at what the Bible sa- says. Put on the belt of truth, and see what the Bible says is true. What are some facts from God's word about angels? First. Angels are mentioned 108 times in the Old Testament, 165 times in the New Testament. That's a lot of times. That's a lot. That's what, 273 times. I don't know about you, but if God talks about something 273 times in the Bible, I'm kind of interested in that. So let's see what the Bible has to say about angels. Here's the first thing. What or who are they? What or who are angels? They are this first fill in on your outline. Spiritual beings. Angels are spiritual beings. They're not humans. They never were. They are spiritual beings. Excuse me. Because they're spiritual beings, they live eternally. This isn't on your outline. You might want to write it down. They live eternally. They're mostly invisible, although we'll see that there are times when they do make themselves visible to us, and they don't reproduce. They are spiritual beings that live eternally, they're mostly invisible, and they don't reproduce. Some facts about about these spiritual beings are this. They were created by God. Psalm 148, 2 and 5 on your outline, it says, Praise him, all his angels. Let them, angels, praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. They were created. God created angels just like all of of other creation. He created them as spiritual beings. Number two, angels were present at earth creation. Job 38, 4, 7 talks about this. It says, where were you when I laid the... This is God speaking to Job now. It says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy? You see, God created angels before He created earth. In fact, biblical scholars, those who like to argue about things like how many angels can dance on the head of a pen, biblical scholars like to argue about whether God created the heavens first or whether He created the angels first, we don't know, and there is no way to know. But we do know this: He created the heavens and the angels before He created the earth. It's, it's very clear in Job thirty-eight. Uh, the next thing is that angels uh, possess a free will that a free will that initiated good versus evil, as a, as a created being angels have a free will just like we do and that free will initiated initiated good and evil we often think that that evil began in the garden of eden evil began on earth in the garden of eden evil began in the spiritual realm um, before it did on earth and it was begun among the angels look uh, look at this verse And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent, would you circle that please? That ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to earth, and his angels with him. Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9. F- the The angels possessed a free will, and that free will resulted in the battle uh, uh, between good and evil, even before the, the, the foundations of the earth. How many angels exist? Well, their number, and this is, the next fill on your, your outline. Their number is infinite. There are an infinite number of angels. In, in both Revelations and Daniel, it talks about there being there being myriad angels, thousands upon thousands. It says ten thousand times ten thousand. I'm not very good at math, but my math says that that's a hundred million. But they don't mean that there's exactly a hundred million. What they mean is. The number is enormous. It's too big to count. They are innumerable. The number of angels is infinite. So what do we know? We know that angels are spiritual beings. We know that they were created by God. We know that they were present at earth's creation even before the foundations of the earth. We know that they possess a free will that initiated good versus evil. And we know that there are an infinite number of them. We're surrounded by them right now. Right now. Even in this place, we're surrounded by, by angels. So, what did God create them to do? If there are all these angels out there, both good and evil, what did God create them for? Five things. First, they're worshipers. God made angels to be worshipers. Look at this verse, Revelation 5, 11, and 12. Then I looked and heard the voices of many angels. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they, they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Come on, people. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Amen! Thank you. Let all God's angels worship him, Hebrew says all God's angels, not just some of god's angels some some biblical scholars like to argue that that angels are classified that there are some classified for this purpose and others classified for other purposes and one of the purposes worship. no, all God's angels were created to worship him every one number two, they're warriors, they are warriors they are fearsome, awesome warriors. In fact, the the Old Testament, there are all sorts of stories that we could go into in the Old Testament about, about angels defeating enemy ar- armies. But to, to give the, the greatest example in the Old Testament that, that I can think of to demonstrate just how powerful and fearsome uh, angels are as warriors is this one, Second Kings 1935. That night, The angel of the Lord, one angel, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. One angel, 185,000 men slain. They are fearsome, awesome warriors. Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9, we read that earlier about the about the war that that took place in the heavenlies, they are warriors. They were made to be. They were created to be warriors and to fight God's God's enemies. Number three, they are messengers. Angels are messengers, but the angel, and circle word angel there. You might want to write in the in the um, margin of your outline. The Greek word that's rendered angel in this place is agalos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S. It literally means in Greek, messenger. But the angel said to her, "'Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. "'You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. "'He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High.' The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. Amen. Thank you. Amen. In this case, Mary was, was, was a child and she was apprehensive about what was going on. And an angel of the Lord came to her and brought a message, a message of comfort. A message of peace—the most beautiful message that anyone ever received. Angels were created to be messengers. In another in another case, Gideon, one time, was being faced with a, an enormous uh, army. Uh, he was about to go into battle uh, against the Midianites, and he was he was terribly afraid. He was he was quivering. He was horribly fearful of what was going to happen the next day. And an angel of the Lord came to him. And he said, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He brought comfort and encouragement to Gideon in that fearful time angels are messengers number four they are ministers they are ministers this is such an important verse when we study about angels I want us to read this out this verse together aloud if if we can please if you if you read along with me out loud with me Hebrews 1.14 Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Circle the word angels there. In this case, there's another Greek word that it's rendered angels in this passage, and that word is diakonos. Anybody ever heard that word before? Diakonos. Diak, diakonos means, means servant or attendant. A servant or an attendant, and it means a servant or attendant in the context of friendship, not in the context of slavery. A servant or attendant, diaconos is the root word for the word deacon. It's the same word that's rendered deacon in the Bible. So um, all angels are diaconos; they are they are ministers, servants, attendants. Look at this: Mark one thirteen. After Jesus had spent 40 days in a desert, in his desert wilderness, in spiritual battle with Satan, he had been fasting, he was, he was spiritually depleted, he was physically depleted, he was tired, worn out, exhausted, and he was alone in the desert. Or was he? The Bible says no, he wasn't alone. It says he was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Attend, angels diakoneo attended to Jesus in the, de, in the desert. Angels are ministers. And number five, angels are rescuers. They're rescuers. Remember the the story in Daniel about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember they refused to bow down to king and worship King Nebuchadnezzar don't you love that name, Nebuchadnezzar? You guys want to name your child Nebuchadnezzar? I mean, come on. King Nebuchadnezzar, they refused to bow down and worship him. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, throw these Yehus in the fiery furnace. But first, turn up the heat. They turned up the heat so high in the, in the furnace that the guards who threw them in the furnace were killed by the heat. In the act of throwing him in the furnace. The next day, what happened? Nebuchadnezzar goes check on the check on the ashes in the furnace, and lo and behold, not only are, are the three young men still alive, but there's a fourth person in the furnace. A glorious a glorious man. A man that was glowing and exuding light. It was an angel. The angel had rescued them. There wasn't a hair on their head that had been singed. Their clothes weren't, weren't even didn't even have soot on them. The angel rescued the three out of the fiery furnace. There's a story of Daniel in the lion's den remember remember daniel was a was an administrator in King Darius court and he was he was such a great administrator that all of the other administrators were were jealous of them so they tricked um, King Darius into Executing um, Daniel. So what he what what he did was he threw Daniel in the lion's den, put a big rock over the mouth of the den so the lions couldn't get out, and it was just Daniel and the lions. Lo and behold, he come back the next day, uh, Darius, to check on the on the on Daniel, and what does he find? He finds Daniel sitting among the lions, petting petting the lions, like they were pussy cats. And he says, Daniel says. My God sent His angel and He shut the mouths of the lions. He shut the mouths of the lions. Angels are rescuers. So what, are they, what did God create them to do? He created them to be worshippers, to be warriors, to be messengers, to be ministers, and to be rescuers. So you might ask the question, what can angels do for me? What can they do for me? There are all these wonderful stories in the Bible about, about things that angels can do. What can the angels do for me? What does this have to do with me? Well, we're going to answer that question. The, the angels can do four things for you. And here's what they are. The first one is they can direct me. They can direct me. Remember the story of Balaam and, ba- and his donkey in, in Numbers 22? If you don't remember, Balaam... A man of some wealth owned a donkey that he used for transportation. He decided to go to go someplace to see some less than sort of shady characters, and didn't make God too happy. So, but off, off Balaam went on the wrong path. As he was going down the wrong path on his donkey, by the way, it was a female donkey. Anybody know what a female donkey is called? There you go, a jenny. He was on his jenny. And very good, huh? Yeah. Yeah. All that schooling's good for something. He's on his jenny. And, and as he's going down the wrong path on his jenny, suddenly a fearsome angel appears to the donkey. Not to Balaam, but to the donkey. I have a hunch that the jenny, that Jenny was more spiritual than Balaam was because Jenny saw the angel, Balaam didn't. So Balaam's going along and all of a sudden the donkey veers off the path. Balaam gets off the donkey and he says, where are you going? And starts beating the donkey. You dumb donkey, get back on the path. So he gets back on the donkey and begins to ride along again. And suddenly the angel appears again to the donkey. The donkey goes, I'm not going down this path, I'm going the other way. So Balaam gets off the donkey, begins to beat, begins to beat the donkey again. Bad donkey! Bad donkey. He gets back on the donkey and starts down the path again, and this time the angel appears to the donkey. And the donkey says, that's it, I'm done, and Jenny lays down. So Balaam starts beating her again, and now, (laughs) and this is the funny part of the story, and now the donkey speaks. The donkey says, wait a minute, hold it, stop the music. Balaam, haven't I been your faithful donkey for all these years? Haven't you been riding around on my back? all, What are you doing beating on me? And Balaam begins to, begins to admonish the donkey and suddenly his eyes are open and he sees the angel. He stops beating the donkey because the angel says, if it weren't for the donkey, I'd be killing you. Get back on the right path. So what did the angel do? What was the angel doing? The angel was directing was giving Balaam direction. He was doing everything in his power to get Balaam back on the right path. And, and angels can do the same thing for us. They can direct our paths. Number two, they can protect me. For he will, would you circus circle, circus? Would you circle he will? For he will command his angels concerning you. To guard you in all your ways, they will lift you up in their hands. Do you think God will use angels to protect you? It says, it says what? He, not he might, not sometimes he does, not if he wants to, he will, he will command his angels concerning you. Angels protect us. I'm going to tell you a story, and please bear with me on this story. This is a personal story, and I ask you to bear with me because it seems a little out there, It's a, but it's a story that I've been telling for years because it's true. Back in the late 60s, um, shortly after coming back from Vietnam, I was stationed in a place called Key West, Florida. Tough duty, I know. Tough duty, but somebody had to do it. So, you know, I stood, I stepped up and said, "Okay, if you, I'll go there for you." Want. So I was stationed in Key West, Florida, and, and every weekend, like every good soldier, I got in my car and I went up to the mainland to party. Well, one particular um, Sunday night, I was headed back from Fort Lauderdale, going back to base in Key West, and there's any of you that have been down there knows that there's there's a long highway, it's about ninety miles long from the mainland down to Key West, which is the last island in the chain. And there's a a, a, a long well, two lane highway that used to be a railroad right away, um, that's called the Keys Highway. Very narrow. There are there are um seventy bridges between between the mainland and the, and the last island. It's just bridge after bridge after bridge. There's one particular bridge that's very famous because it's seven miles long. Oddly enough, it's called the Seven Mile Bridge. I don't know where they came up with that name, but uh, the seven, seven Mile Bridge is very, long, is very famous. Well, I was coming back from Fort Lauderdale late on a, well, actually early on a Monday morning, trying to get back to base on time, and I came upon a seven-mile bridge, and as I approached the seven-mile bridge, there was a sailor in his dress whites standing on, on the north side of the bridge, at the entrance to the bridge. He was standing, just standing there. He wasn't hitchhiking. He was just standing there in his dress whites. Odd. I, as I pulled, I pulled up and stopped... And here's what here's what I recall. I opened the door, reached over, and opened the passenger's door on the car, and the sailor sat sat down in the car and closed the door. Never spoke a word. I I remember proceeding, excuse me, proceeding to go to drive over the bridge. The next thing I remember is stopping on the other side of the bridge, the sailor opening the door, getting out of the car and me proceeding on to Key West. Now, there's nothing within 10 miles of the north side of the bridge. There's nothing within 15 miles of the south side of the bridge. There's no reason why a sailor would be standing on one side of the bridge or getting out on the other side of the bridge. There was nothing to go to. He never spoke a word. I have no idea who he was Or why he was out there at 3 o'clock in the morning in his dress whites. I have no idea. I have no recollection, none, of driving over that bridge. It's a seven mile bridge. It didn't take me just a few seconds. It took me a few minutes to get over that bridge. I have no recollection of passing over that bridge. I don't know what what that was. But I believe that that was an angel who God sent to protect me. Something was bound to happen on that bridge that God protected me from, and I believe that he used his angel to do that. Why do I believe it? Because the Bible says it. They will will protect me. Number three, they can rescue me. They can rescue me. Peter, in Acts 12, 5 through 10, was in prison. He was, in, he was chained to two guards in prison, and he was about to go to trial the next morning. That was probably going to result in his execution. Um, let's, look at, let's look at this at this story quickly. Acts 12, 5 through 10. If you have your Bibles with you, you uh, open to Acts 12. And let's look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. The chains just fell off Peter's wrists. left him suddenly the angel left him they can rescue me just like they rescued peter peter was rescued from sure execution the next day by a by an angel who came and physically rescued him from his from his situation and they can rescue you number four they can provide for me there's a story in first Kings actually I've got uh, the wrong the wrong uh, reference here. It's actually first Kings nineteen three through nine and um, in this story, Elijah was running from Jezebel who wanted to kill him and he and he was running out in the desert and he came to a tree where he sat down and he said, "That's it, I'm done I, I give up." I can't do this anymore. I am just tapped out. I have no strength. I just can't do this anymore. I just want to die. So as he was sitting under the tree, he, Elijah, looked around, and there by his head was a cake of baked bread over hot coals. A cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again and slept. He woke up again and once again there was food and water there for him provided by angels. Angels provide for us. So what can angels do for me? They can direct me. They can protect me. They can rescue me and they can provide for me. I have, I have a strong feeling that there's Someone here today who could use some of that. I, I I believe with all my heart that there's someone here who could use direction. Somebody here this morning who's perhaps on the wrong path, made a bad choice, headed in the wrong direction, perhaps it drifted away from God, perhaps it turned away from family or something else that's dear to you. I believe there's somebody here this morning who can use protection. Somebody whose life is at risk. Perhaps your health is at risk or your livelihood is at risk or your relationship is at risk. There's somebody here this morning who can use some protection. I believe that there's somebody here this morning who could use a rescue. Perhaps you're in trouble with your spouse. Perhaps you're in trouble at work. Perhaps you're even in trouble with the law. Somebody here can use a rescue. And I believe that there's someone here this morning who could use provision. Perhaps you're down on your luck financially. Perhaps you're Lost your job. Perhaps you're about to lose your home. Someone this morning needs God's provision. So what should I do? How can I have this? How can I get angels to to do these things that God says that they will do for me? There are two things. Two things. The first one to be honest with you, I really don't understand. But the Bible says to entertain strangers. Entertain strangers. It says, do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. I think what the Bible's trying to say to us here is don't wave off the helicopter. Don't, Don't turn away the help that God is trying to bring you entertain strangers or they may be exactly what you're looking for. But more importantly, the second thing is surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. I want you to go back to the very top of your outline. Back to Hebrews 1.14 where it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits Sent to serve those who will inherit, salva- inherit salvation. Would you circle that last phrase? Those who will inherit salvation. For you see, all these promises that God offers us relative to angels, all these things that angels can do for us, we are promised those. But there's a premise to the promise. And the premise is this all of this is available if 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 we will inherit salvation and how do we do that how do we do that how do we inherit salvation john 14:6 is the answer jesus said i am the way the truth and the life i am the way the truth and the life not I am one way, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one would you circle the word the words "No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. How do you receive all, all of these all, all of these gifts from the angels? by accepting Jesus Christ, by bringing, by bringing Jesus into your life, by surrendering your life to Him. And in so doing, you can claim these promises. You can pl- claim the direction, the protection, the rescue, and the provision that the angels can can bring for you. If you haven't done that, if you haven't asked Jesus to come into your life, to be the chairman of the board in your life, would you ask Him to do that today? And if you've already done that, but perhaps you've drifted away from Him, perhaps you've gone down the wrong path, will you turn back? Turn back to Jesus. Rededicate your life to Him here this morning. You can do that very simply. Let's bow our heads together, please. Father in Heaven, you know that there by no means do I understand it all. Much of this is a mystery to me. But Lord, I ask you this morning, please come into my life. Come into my life and take control of, of the all the circumstances of my life. Every nook and cranny of my life I want to turn over to you I need your power in my life I can't do it on my own anymore perhaps you may say Father forgive me forgive me from turning away from you forgive me from for turning my back on all the promises that you've laid out before me Lord help me Help me come back onto the right path. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to return. And I'm ready to do that this morning. If you prayed that prayer, today is the greatest day of your life. You can claim all the promises in God's God's Word. Every one is meant for you. And if you've made the decision to turn back to God this morning, rejoice, rejoice. His angels have just been waiting to come and to serve you. With every eye closed and every head bowed this morning, would you do this for me? If you prayed that prayer and meant it in your heart, if you asked God to, come into your life and, and, and you surrendered your life to him or if you ask God to help you back onto the onto the path toward him, would you simply look up at me? Would you look up at me? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Father, thank you for being such a loving God. Thank You, God, for giving us the power of Your angels, making them available to us in our lives. We need that power. You are a great and loving God. We thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen.